This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Like, Mike. On Seattle Sports. Power through the Alaska Airlines studio. Heward, not exactly Joe Cap there in the pocket. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> want to offer some kudos to Wyman and Bob. They asked a question of John Schneider yesterday that on its surface, maybe doesn't sound that important. And the answer doesn't sound that important. And then when you sort of think about the history and not just here in Seattle, but elsewhere, you realize that it's actually incredibly important and incredibly meaningful. So they asked John yesterday, Brock, about his about his uh, new title. He's now the president of football operations, right? He used mm-hmm. to be the GM. Now he's the president of football operations. Still the GM. Right. Still the GM, but mm-hmm. the, he's been promoted technically. Yeah. Uh, so what does that mean? John explained. Honestly, it's just an accountability with the coaches, right? So now the coaches report to me and in the past, that that just wasn't the case. The coaches reported to Pete Carroll, and, and uh, the two of us reported ownership, and now uh, coaching reports up through us. And uh, you know, it, it, it's something that you know probably shoot six, seven years ago we did contractually, uh, just because you don't know if or when Pete was going to retire. You know, so um, yeah, it was really just a contractual deal. So if if uh, you know if Pete was not going to be here at a certain time, it was just like this automatic kick in, and and uh, so here we go. And I appreciate that John downplays it and says, ah, it's just a contractual thing. No, it's just contractual. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, if it's just contractual, then it's not a big deal. I think it is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important because it helps avoid the biggest problem franchises have in sports. And that is major tension between the coaching staff and the front office. Yeah, man, Baseball, and I, I football, felt it. Yep. basketball, you name it. It is not just a, a John Schneider thing. It is a major issue. And we have not had one of those Mm-mm. in ages Mm-mm. here in Seattle. Jerry and Scott have, have played nice with each other, at least publicly, and my assumption is pretty nice privately for the entirety of their time together here in Seattle. They've never spent more than a day or two here without each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, since Pete Carroll and John were hired, we haven't had any of that. Remember the Mike Holmgren, Tim Ruskell? Like, it was a disaster. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, Leading up to a lot of these. Absolutely. Talk. I yes. know. We used to talk about it all the time. Yes. And those conversations have left Seattle sports for the better part of the last 15 years because there there haven't been any conflicts. Those conflicts tear franchises apart. Tear teams apart. Tear locker rooms apart. And you think, well, come on. They're, they're the players. You're going to run blue right, two-jet flanker drive. Who cares about the relationship between the GM and head coach? No, it really it really affects and trickles down and has an impact. And I, I can remember in college there was some, um, let's just say, friction in the staff. <laughs> it may be a defensive-minded you know, head coach and mindset and an offensive minded guy that really, you know, was really hated at times when things were scripted. Mm-hmm. Right. So imagine this. Here's the script for practice. We're going to run team. Here's our 15 plays. Well, who gets the script first? So if the offense scripts theirs, guess mm-hmm. what the defense can do? Ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna script this blitz. I'm gonna take apart this <laughs> this formation. I'm gonna right. so it got got honestly to the point where the coordinator just had to scribble. Like he wouldn't even write down the play because it's like, no, I'm not going to tell you my hand so you could just go and <laughs> smash us on a Wednesday practice, you know, Let, or eventually let's just not get to any scripts and right. let's just go at it, you know, which was the healthiest. And and so I, I remember that. And certainly with my time in Seattle, Salk, both in my first iteration and when I came back from the Colts, it was bad. 
our first iteration that was it was Bob Whitsett who was handling the Trailblazers and the Seahawks and there was some friction and tension there as Mike Holmgren was the grand poopa of everything but Whitsett you know with Paul Allen was like hey and, and those two clashed and it was tough and then circle back around as you mentioned with Ruskell and, and, and Mike it was difficult mm -hmm. it was just a difficult division of power right and if you can't totally leave your ego at the door and you don't have time on task together and you don't have relationship Issues arise, and you're absolutely right, man. It tears apart organizations across any sports, any sports. And I think it is an advantage that our Seattle teams have been able to have because Scott and Jerry came up together. Yep. Right? It wasn't like all of a sudden, hey, I take care of you. Right? I'm in season seven, episode 13 of Suits, Salk, and the whole thing. And I know you're back into it, but it's all this, okay, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. Yeah. I got one on you. Now you're going to do me a favor. No, there's none of none of that with these guys. Like, no, we're in this thing, you know, in this thing together. And as John kind of joked and poked at you and I yesterday, like it was never a Pete guy, never a John guy. Once they got drafted, it was a Seahawk guy. Mm -hmm. Could there have been some of that back and forth on Percy, some of that back and forth on Jimmy, some of that back and forth on G? Sure. But the minute they walk in the door and the minute we make that agreement, hey, man, there is never going to be any of that. Ah, this was my guy. This was your guy. And that was a big part of the Ruskell Holmgren deal. No question about it. Well, yeah, and and I think John, more than anybody, is a, a perfect personality to wield power without shoving it in anybody's face. Mm -hmm. Right. And you and you heard some of that of him saying, no, oh, you know, I've just sort of taken a advisory role on hiring the coaches and I'm here to help. And I think he's going to do a really great job of of not putting down the hammer. Right. Of like, well, I'm in charge. So tough nuggies. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I don't see that as a John How Schneider fan... personality, especially because he got to watch it for the from the other side for the last 14 years. Right. How, yeah. No question. How do you think the fan that's listening right now? will actually see that, feel that. I think you don't feel it until you feel the opposite of it, quite honestly. Mm. You don't feel it. You just sort of assume everything's fine. What you feel is when it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. What you feel is when there is infighting. You mentioned all the problems in Seattle over those years. You know, growing up in Boston, this was a nonstop problem, right? It was Dan Duquette and Jimmy Williams. It was, I mean, I could come up with like 30 examples. Yep. It was of, Pete Carroll with his GM in New England. Absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. Pete Carroll and uh, Bobby Greer at the time. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there those, uh, you know, Bobby Greer's son, Mike Greer, was like a really good hockey player and is now a hockey GM. No, I didn't. Know Isn't that, that weird? No. Just sort of a. There you go. There's your brilliant memory. Just Coming a little, uh, just a little uh, side uh, note to help you guys out. I forget where he's the GM now, but he's. Uh, you're he's seriously like your 80s and Anaheim, 90s maybe. Your 80s and 90s memory. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's off really after 2000 that things go awry. <laughs> yes. Once I graduated college, everything really went downhill from there. Yeah. No, you feel you feel the opposite, and you know what? Look, you know what helps. Hiring a 36-year-old first-time head coach. Mm -hmm. I don't see Mike McDonald right away looking for more power and being upset that he's ever being dictated to by a, a president Correct. of football operations Correct. when he's 36 years old and doing this job for the first time and everything we've heard from him is, yep. yeah, I'm going to make some mistakes, but I'm going to try to get better and learn from mm -hmm. him and do everything I can. So. I don't foresee any tension or friction between those two groups for years. doesn't mm -hmm. mean it won't eventually happen. I mean, who the heck knows? But it's hard to fathom that that would be a problem right away. This is John Schneider's show, and he's yes. going to be running it for a little while. Yeah, if anything, Mike McDonald, you know what he wants to do? He wants to study the Steve Spagnola tape from the Super Bowl. That's right. what he wants to do. He wants to break that down and break down the X's and O's and put together these game plans. Very and John, true. John, you want to handle the personnel? John, you want to manage all of this? John, you want to you know, handle the pro personnel? 
personnel and the college personnel and all the coaching staff, God bless you. You know, go ahead and let me just uh, do the job that you hired me to do. Mm. And that's coach and lead this football team. Yeah. Well, that seems like the direction they'll be going for a little while. So great stuff on that interview with Wyman and Bob. You can go download their uh, podcast uh, from yesterday and listen to the whole interview. Did a great job with it. And it was good to hear uh, from John and, and get a sense as to where this team is going. Uh, we'll talk to Stacy Rost. Uh, she spoke with uh, Adam Dirty yesterday. So we'll do that coming up in about 20 minutes. First, we'll give you everything you need to know, including the biggest news which is that the Seahawks did nothing yesterday why is that so important we'll tell you next I'm Brock and Salk need to know 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk here's what you need to know up first. Sometimes no action is the biggest action you can take, and that's what the Seahawks did yesterday. They, by not doing anything, allowed the contracts for Geno Smith, Dre Jones, and any other players with uh, the same clause in their contract to become guaranteed for this season. Okay, what does that really mean? Does that mean Geno is now here to stay? I don't know whether people quite took it that way. Brady Henderson still had his doubts. Adam Schefter still brought up the idea of another team trading for Geno. And then Joel Corey was on with Wyman and Bob yesterday. No flexibility for the Seahawks. You've locked in the 12-7 for him, but you could still trade him. And you'd be getting rid of presumably all $22.5 million if he could find a taker. And you would pick up, I believe, $13.8 million of cap space in doing so. Or if you really wanted to get rid of him, you eat either all or part of that roster bonus. Because you'd have to trade him by March 18th. That's why that date's significant, because the $9.6 million roster bonus gets locked in. So while this does give Gino a better chance of being here next year, yep. it sure doesn't guarantee anything. This is good business. We'll get to the Matt Chapman here, I know, in the, in the need to know. And Divis jumped on with us yesterday, and that made its waves around some of the social media channels too, Salt. But... Kind of like timing when it comes to Matt Cham- Chapman. This is the same deal with Gino. This is the good business decision to make on February 16th and 17th. This is the, his contract is an incredibly reasonable contract. <laughs> Do you think this is like Ryan Grubb saying, hey, at the time, I didn't know what was going to happen with Seattle. I have to say yes to Alabama. That's right. In the Red Elephant Club, when I'm there, guess what I am? I'm the coordinator of the University of Alabama. I'm your offensive coordinator. On this day, you were. <laughs> and on this day, it was the right move and the right decision to pick up the option for mm-hmm. Gino. But I think as the agent, I think as Brady, I think as Schefter all allude to, things change. We haven't even gone to the combine. We haven't even gone through our full evaluation of where we think all these guys are on this board. Well, and every single indication seems to be that they would like to have Drew Locke back. They only mention him every opportunity, whether people are asking about him or not. So that has good, to play a role in some way also, doesn't it? Good business, too. Good business, too. Right? And, and I think they genuinely like Drew. Clearly. And as I've said to you before, Salk, like from a pure skill set standpoint, Drew's got an incredibly strong arm. And that is the one thing that Ryan Grubb is enamored with. Mm -hmm. Give me a guy that can spin a football differently than others. When Jake Hayner went to the combine, his spin rate was higher than anybody else. When Michael Penix goes to the combine, his spin rate can be higher than anybody else. He likes VLO. He likes guys that have unique traits with their arm. And Drew absolutely fits in that silo. Here's the second thing. You need to Well, know. you mentioned Matt Chapman's name, and I still think there's quite a conversation to be had there. Like, if I had to bet, did the Mariners sign uh, Matt Chapman? I'd probably still bet against it. But 
things are shaking out in such a way that it's at least becoming a better possibility, right? We talked about all the different potential landing points for him. Well, talking to friends in Chicago yesterday, they think Cody Bellinger's going to get done there with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yesterday, the Blue Jays uh, came pretty close. Looks like they're going to sign Eduardo Escobar, third baseman, who they're going to pair with Justin Turner there. So they're probably out of the running. The Angels may be out of the running as they look to sign another infielder. So uh, the Giants are probably out of the running. So a lot of the teams, maybe the Yankees. Sure, that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. But I, I just his market is deteriorating rapidly. Yeah, and that market, remember, at some point last year, and you and I tried to dig around last night and figure out when that was. Don't know exactly, but at some point last year, they had offered him a four-year, hundred plus million dollar deal yep. that he turned down. And then at the end of the year, unlike the Mariners, who did not extend a qualifying offer to Teoscar Hernandez, they did, and yep. that 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 was going to be about $20.6 million. So they still liked him. It's not like they were had soured on him. They tried twice to get him back. But in his mind, he is, in his contract, and what he believes his house is worth, mm-hmm. is a lot more than what the market's willing to pay right now. Certainly right now, that's the case, and a lot of that, as we just said, is some of those, uh, some of those friendly situations for him kind of going away and not leaving him with a ton of options left. So as uh, we get ready for position players to report, what, later? Monday. Yeah, Monday, I think it is. No, Um, not think. It is. All right, Monday it is. We'll see whether or not Matt Chapman's market continues to drop for the Mariners. Here's the third thing you need to know. You think you die. All right, thank you. You think Think out here you die. Yes. Um... How awesome was Caitlin Clark last night? Just a just a sublime performance to break Kelsey Plum's all-time scoring record in women's college basketball. Honestly, I think if she had wanted to break the single game record of 61, she probably could have done that too. But she's just so unselfish in the way she plays. Here was the 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 record-breaking moment. Here comes Clark. How will she go for history? It's pretty remarkable that Salt, like the two women's stars, both, like, I mean, have a connection with, with Kelsey, right? I mean, you, you started to go to games. Mm-hmm. I remember. I remember that basketball game we went to yeah. with you and Heather and a, and a very young Avery and Cecily and Molly, me and the girls. And we sat there behind the hoop and watched Kelsey. And Kelsey was an unbelievable scorer unbelievable and her body control and some of her finishing and her ability to hang in the air different than caitlin yeah, her, she has some traits that caitlin doesn't have drive to the hoop was so sick cool. absolutely is. sick yeah. caitlin's ability to pass it is larry legend like she has eyes in the back of her head man she is a qb and a facilitator yeah. who happens to be one of the greatest women shooters ever yeah ever. she's steph curry and larry bird put together yes right yep yeah, it's pretty fun. I don't know that she plays quite as good defense either of those two, but she she yes. her offensive game yes. is very much a combination of those What'd two. What'd you say? Players. Defense? What's that? Her, yeah, yeah. What's that? Not necessarily the most important. I'll tell you part what that her. is. That's what Joey Decor did on them Bruins on Ooh. their head yesterday. How about that? Best win of the year. Uh, yeah, two years in a row. The best win of the year came in the TD Bank Garden. And, uh, yeah, the two Boston boys played a huge role. Joey Decord in net, 37 saves. Maddie Beneers, three points, including a goal. Had to have it. 4-1 win for them. So, uh, pretty great. Is it that, is it that simple? You need to know. Is it that simple that you're 
quarterback in the NFL plays really well and your forward on the number one line just turns into the guy you want him to be at the number two pick. Certainly helps when when he plays that way. Sure yeah. Does. And Decord went off. Yes. I mean, he made a, they, they were not the better team, uh, I thought, for much of that game last night. But they did. The, you know, they came up with the big saves and yeah. converted in the big moments. Everly with a big it, goal. And yeah, by the way. Win. Two and a half hours in the show. Yes. Uh, maybe you did it in the opening hour. Um, did you give kudos to Lefko and Mora and Justin who cleaned up? Oh, like we, we op- opened the wow. show with it. Wow. Yeah, I got to hear all about how Justin met Bowie, which was like the highlight of his life at yeah. the yeah. Yeah. Sports Awards Pretty last yeah. night. night. We got... Um, and you all got to meet Panix, and Mora sat down with Panix, I saw in an interview. Yep. Anything anything jump out to you guys about Mr. Anything Pettis? jump out to you, or was I trying to walk over his hands as he walked by us? So they, they are cartoonishly large. Bigger than Morris. Unbelievable. Bigger they than look, Morris? Yes, they look Of course great. they're bigger than mine. They, they, of course. They look so, like giant fans. Like, you know, the fans you Morris' want. hands felt so dainty in that interview. I could see it. I did shake his hand, and yeah, they're very big. He, yes. he encircled your hand. unbelievable. Really? I just... Yes. <laughs> I'm like, and then he gets Dubs was there, the real Dubs, and so Dubs mm-hmm. comes over for a photo, yeah. and Michael Penix goes up behind him and does the Washington W right with his hand, but yeah. in person. Wow, it, it's like it, it's a rake. Really, he's carrying it's like larger than the dog's head. <laughs> it is a giant trident. Pretty amazing. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then, um, yeah. So, how it, did KJ it, do? By the way, awesome, fantastic, awesome. Yes, really, he was really good. He owned. He he has a really good presence. He owned he the does. night. He does. He looks sharp. Yeah, great jokes. Too. Comfortable. He was working the stage, confident going all around the room. Yeah. Mm. I thought Lefko looked especially. Lefko was rocking the tie. I thought he had sort of a Mike Ross from Suits vibe. Brock. I thought he, he did. would have been on. Didn't it have sort of a Mike Ross vibe? You know what? You nailed it. Yeah. Boom. Yes. Like you like you do with your ice cream and city slickers. Boom. Woof. All right. <laughs> Stacy Ross coming in next. G Scott's out today. Uh, he's uh, taking his wife on a surprise. We're we gonna trip. play the How same music though for Stacy. For Stacy, I mm-hmm. don't think so. Is that what the people want? Who knows? I She'll think that's be what the people next. want. At least I think so. We have so. the Vanderpump Rules song. Is she, is she gonna be <laughs> here? Have we seen? Has anybody seen Stacy yet? Is she in the building? We're gonna go try to track her down. That's next on Brock and Salt. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, normally at this time, uh, G. Scott would be stepping in and everything would get louder. Oh, I'm a replacement. But today we have a replacement for G. Scott. Thanks so much. It's Stacy Ross, who's in. Hi, Hi. Stacy. Hello, Brock. Hi, Stacy. Are you 21% Irish like G is too? Yeah. I'm no percent Irish, but I love you that sure? G told you guys that. He told me that about his 23 and me, and he was shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Were you shocked? Have you, have you uh, done 23 yeah. and me? Uh, no, I haven't. My mom has, though. Okay. Uh, which is where the Irish would be coming from if that was the right. case. And she was right. no, she was 0% no Irish. Irish. Yeah. yeah. And uh, have you done any of the 23andMe or Ancestry.com for your uh, new step-sibling, the raccoon? I haven't. No, I have not. Yeah, uh, I, yeah I, I have been. Um, do you know the... Um, he has a name, Salk. I forgot the name. That's His why. name is Little Rick. Oh, right, Little Rick. I forgot about uh, that. The yes. Rocket City Trash Pandas sent us merch. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That is so awesome. <laughs> and they were like, um, you know, if you can get a picture of Little Rick. And I was like, am I supposed to put it on him? Like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> the entire point of this like post was that no one should be touching this raccoon. Yeah, and my mom. So apparently he's even more of a nightmare than was expected. I mean, maybe that shouldn't be a surprise. But um, I guess he uh, was taking the couch pillows that he sleeps on. He sleeps on an outdoor couch right. over to the neighbor. 
neighbors. So the neighbor knocked on my parents' door and was like, is this your pillow? And holds up this tattered, ripped oh. apart pillow. And my mom was like, yeah, where'd that oh. come from? Uh, he also took the oh, Christmas lights. Oh, the raccoon lights. dropped it off. No big deal. Yeah, little Rick Riz. Little exactly. Ricky Riz. He also Riz. took the raccoons, ripped them off the neighbor's uh, side of their home, like mm-hmm. their roof, and then brought them over to my parents' patio. He's a nightmare. Like a, he sounds like a terrorist, essentially. He is. Yeah, he a is, and he raccoon. shouldn't be rewarded with attention. All right. Well, um, so that's what's going to happen. Transition from that song. Yeah, yeah no, I don't have that one that. in me. I got to be honest. Uh-huh. Stacey, you got a chance to talk to this uh, Ad and Dirty yesterday. We did. Oh, we did. If I I will admit, I'm struggling a little bit every time we play sound. Why? To, not to just say, like, it just, in it? Just because he. I've never heard a football coach sound like that. Well, oh, let's play some sound. I've heard Let them. me hear it. Let me hear some of them. I've heard. Please. I've heard football coaches sound like, you know, uh, <laughs> right, like Ed Orgeron, and I, I've heard them yell and scream and all of that. But hold on, I think you really, can... when you're thinking about that, the way I kind of look in, the way we kind of look and we talk about it is like looking at it in like three different levels, like us. Okay, really, how do we communicate and play on together as all three levels? I think like you watch the defense from Baltimore; they have a great. Baltimore way of playing on all three levels together you see that they're connected and i think that's a big part of the way you play and then really the standard you know you have like the standard is the fabric of this building bro you can feel it when you walk in you know like and to come and add to that is really exciting so it's really exciting. What's well, so did this about Dan? I, I, me and Bump were yesterday just doing a ton of British accents. And he Dude, was on. Well. Um, Adam was on with us, who goes by AD. Yep. And um, he said uh, he said bruv, and I was like, yes. this is just amazing. He said yes. bruv. He said bruv. What is that? Well, in the in the UK, they like it means bro or brother. Oh, like, okay. You know what I mean, bruv. So B R U V. Okay. By the way, it's from so this addictive. day forward, from this day to. forward, on this station, I'm making a mandate. There will be nobody that calls him AD because that is one soft basketball player down in Los Angeles, <laughs> and we will not, wow. in any any way, ever call him AD. Wow. Is it agreed? I, is that I deal? Think AD, I don't know. He I told I think me Adrian to call Dantling. him. Yeah, yeah, he said in his presser, "Call he me said, AD." Call me, yeah. He said, "Call me uh, ID." No. <laughs> No, Anthony Davis is a unibrow, and he's mm. soft, and right. he's weak, and he's everything not to the standard of the Seahawks. Well, jokes that is about not going to happen. Jokes about his British accent aside, what did you make of him? What's your perception of sort of this whole new coaching staff? Because oh, you've had a chance to talk to both Dirty yes. and uh, Coach McDonald. Yep. You guys were the first to speak with him. Yeah. What's been your perception? Um, it is, I'm sure you guys feel the same, a very... Um, noticeable change in going from Pete Carroll and all those folks on his coaching staff, many of whom had been with him, not just since USC days, but like in the league for a long time to go to a first year OC, a first year DC, a first year head coach. Um, I think that the similarity I saw with both with Adden, I remember it as Adden and subtracted, you know, but not divided, eh? But I saw the similarity between Adden and Mike McDonald as both of them are teachers who mm. really, really value communication and learning. And we'll see how that pans out on the field. But if one of the things that, you know, last year we all were collectively talking about is, is the message getting through? Like, is it reaching everyone? Does everyone understand what's happening here? Mm-hmm. I think you can see that perhaps John Schneider recognized yeah. in Mike, in Adam. We haven't talked with with Grub yet. We obviously heard about him. And it sounds people like you guys are going to talk to him Tuesday, too. Yeah, right? people who care deeply about that message getting through. Well, it's funny that one of the cuts I pulled from him yesterday was about that. And, and we got that same sense from McDonald when we talked to him on Monday that the teaching part was important. And here's what Durde said about that. I think when you teach... I think you really have to understand the learner. 
you know, like, because it, teaching is imparting knowledge on someone else. And then in this, in this industry, it's about them going practically and doing it, you know, physically doing it. So um, I think it's understanding the learner, understanding what are their needs. And, and we're in a special situation is that we only teach a small group of people. So we can really drill down and really understand what that person needs, you know, to be successful. So the way I look at it, it's a two-way street. It's, it's building trust, it's building communication whilst you're teaching, and then you can start really unpeeling on the person there and saying, okay, what do they need to be successful? And that will happen. I know it was last century in 1999 when I sat oh, in my God. first NFL <laughs> meeting room. It was. It was last century. I know I'm that old. But to hear these guys communicate in this kind of way, mm-hmm. a growth mentality, you know, the how you teach them, compared to, honest to God, the only teaching philosophy in 1999 was turn the meeting room down to 58 degrees mm. so you could see your breath and keep guys awake so they wouldn't fall asleep. That is a dead honest truth. And guys would come in with parkas like a Mon Green and still fall asleep. <laughs> and Mike Pritchard would come in with a stocking cap and a parka and gloves. And it was the only way he could stay awake. Like it, that, none of this was the mindset then. And Stacey, I think you either tweeted this or I was listening to you guys and you talked about this. I think you were at first, not, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it was quite a turn from everything the Seahawks had been with Pete to turn now to a totally younger, different Mm -hmm. dynamic. Did you in any way see this coming, that this was ultimately the way that John Schneider, who had been with Pete for all those years, was going to now build this thing? I didn't. I thought that John Schneider would go with uh, Dan Quinn. I mean, the day that the team decided to move on from Pete Carroll, we heard rumors from Mike Garofolo, a few other NFL insiders, that Dan Quinn could be a name, and I thought, they're going to hire him. And then, obviously, the longer they went on without hiring Dan Quinn, who quickly became available the following weekend, the more you're wondering, (laughs) okay, well, what's happening here? Like, when is this going to happen? I was still surprised they went with Mike McDonald. Um... I think that I needed to remind myself and didn't at the time that John Schneider's not afraid to take a swing Mm -hmm. and to take a swing and a miss and to take risks. And we've seen him do this with trades and we've seen him do this with draft picks. And I think I just assumed um, the Seahawks aren't going to do what every single, uh, you know, NFL brainiac wants them to do. We had so many national voices on Greg Rosenthal, Mina Kimes, Bill Barnwell, many of whom are really into analytics and things like that. And and they loved Mike McDonald and they thought this is the right pick. This is the pick I would make. And I thought, okay, that's not the pick they're making. (laughs) (laughs) Then it's not going to happen. And lo and behold, it did. So yes, Brock, to answer your question, I was surprised. In hindsight, looking now, and I'm sure you guys feel the same at the connection that he and John really seem to have. I mean, God, they sound the same. You listen to both of them talk and you can't tell who's who. Um, That's why they hired Dirty. Yeah, exactly. So he could be so different. To break it up. No one's confusing him for either of those. So when we're out there at OTAs, (laughs) right, and and the first time that you you get to be out there and, and obviously a training camp embedded down there, where do you think the 12s on the berm will see this, feel this? You know, how do you think, and even before we get to training camp, how do you think this, these OTAs and these mini camps over the off season, when you're out there, Stacey, how do you, how do you envision this being different? Oh, that's a good question, Brock. I I get paid to ask good questions. It's a great one. It's a great one. The first thing that comes to mind is. I hope that face just, you get paid to sit there and look pretty, Brock. No, Let's Brock, you down. ask wonderful <laughs> questions, Brock. Wonderful questions. Thank you. Um, thanks, bro. <laughs> thanks, bro. 
Uh, you know what? I j- I'm thinking of this now. I don't know that we saw a lack of engagement, but what I really hope that we see and I hope we feel is engagement from players. And perhaps that because that's because some of the older players feel like I need to step up and I need to do something and I need to welcome them because they haven't been here before and this is my chance to prove that I can be a leader with a completely new group. Um, maybe it's because these guys are, um, the, the coaching staff that is, exciting players and making them feel like this is something you know to really be excited about. So I hope that we don't see... Um, guys on the sideline looking checked out. Mm-hmm. I hope we don't see um, or hear about, you know, any issues with, um, you know, guys, you know, having some issues with each other mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, I just, I hope that... Some of the stuff that went on behind the scenes exactly, this year, whether it was exactly. DK or Jamal Adams yeah. or any of that. I hope that we feel the word, mm-hmm. I, I want to leave training camp feeling like the word engaged, I can check off a box. You think Gino's here in September? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Mostly because... Um, you know, I know, and you and I felt the same. That, uh, and and I don't know if Brock did. I'm assuming so. That Gino was Pete's guy, and John obviously, you know, guys are here because they're his guys. But that he was maybe kind of curious about Drew. And why mm-hmm. wouldn't you be? Like he's got a completely different job. His job is to say, well, what did I get back for this trade? Um, and uh, and I thought it was interesting that John Schneider, almost unprompted, uh, brought up that idea that Gino isn't just Pete's guy, that anyone in the building is his guy during his interview with Wyman and Bob. I yeah. thought that was interesting. He said he heard someone on some morning show mention something about that. He I don't wasn't, know who he wasn't sure yeah, what, I don't know what he's talking about. He he's a big moving guy. He's and a big yet, moving guy. And yet, You're not the only one that feels that way. <laughs> I know I'm not. No, we honestly, we just stole it from Brady. Brady was yeah, the one who kind of put exactly. that in my head. So, um, no, what I find more interesting is, is both McDonald and Grubb, three times now between them, unsolicited bringing up Drew Locke's name. Mm-hmm. Can I hear Grubb say that? Is that one of the cuts uh, here? Do you remember that exactly one which yes. one it can is? Hold on one second, and well, I'll be happy can, to get yeah, that we can for you. Hold. If you and just Stacey don't and mind just holding on British a second. Yeah, we're in a dead period right now, so really that's all it is, is just getting to know him as people. Um, so no scheme or anything like that, but he's great. He's a competitor. He wants to be coached. He wants to be the best. Um, you know, he, he it means a lot to him. You know, and just hearing his story and – his growth as a player and a person is is inspiring, honestly. So I'm really fired up and looking forward to coaching him and Drew both. Uh, they're both wonderful guys and um, they're competitors. I mean, I think the question there is what is your initial read on Geno Smith? Mm-hmm. And unsolicited, he brings up a guy that's not even on the roster right now. He's an un- unrestricted free agent. And McDonald did the same thing twice. Mm-hmm. So if Drew Locke is likely to be here, which is certainly my read on, yeah, on all like that, it. Does that mean they're not going to draft somebody? Because if they do, then it's hard to imagine all three guys are going to be on this team next year. Yeah, I mean, that's I think that's a fair way to read it right now. Or there's intentional misdirection, and mm. obviously Drew's an unrestricted free agent. He's not under con. I mean, he is technically, but he soon won't be under contract. So mm-hmm. they can talk about him all they want, but he obviously and his agent are going to want to look at opportunities where maybe he can start. Um, I think that there are a lot of people, and I'm sure you guys get this all the time, that would love to see Drew get an opportunity to start here in Seattle rather than somewhere else. I happen to think Gino is their best option to start for 2024. I would love to see them eventually get a young guy in here just because I'm envious of other teams that when find that. When would you like that to happen? Because you got six guys who could go in the first round or so this year. Yeah. And according to Brock and others, there's not a whole lot of them for next year. Uh, well, well, that's very interesting, Brock. I um. Mm. I'm not like absolutely in love with JJ McCarthy, but it's because who should be available for Seattle around 16, but it's because I have a narrative in my mind of JJ McCarthy as not being the most important piece of Michigan's team. 
And um, and maybe that's not true. I mean, I saw a really interesting stat yesterday that was um, a completion percentage uh, when being uh, chased mm. out of the pocket or under pressure. And J.J. McCarthy had among the highest of all the passers. Michael That'd Penix was around 22. 71%. Yeah. 71%. Michael mm. Penix around 23%. Just crazy, isn't it? It's wild. I mean, what you think one of the better arms, the best passer in this in this you know class had one of the worst rates under pressure being chased out of that behind that great offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I recognize that there is a narrative I have of some of the options that could be avail- available for Seattle, whether it's Bo Nix, whether it's Michael Penix, mm-hmm. whether it's JJ, that may not be true. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm intrigued by the possibility. If they took someone, I would not just say that was a mistake. I'd think, you know what, I'm okay with the swing. I'm okay the, with him taking a chance. She is Stacey Ross. You know the voice. She is filling in for G. I would say very, very admirably you know here. The voice. Not just yes. like why do we even have G? What are we doing? Why don't we do this every week? So this is much more fun. Michael, what? Don't say things like you that. Can't oh, okay. say that. Okay. okay. Yeah, Who did you I can't say that? Who did you say uh, that about? You said that about passing too. I did. And right? How much more him. you loved yeah. uh, the little guy, the little leprechaun? You can't say things like that. Don't leprechaun. do that. Yeah. Someone's yeah, the, littler than Jeff Passan? Yeah, Tim Kirchner. people are littler than Tim Jeff Passan. Like, I mean, I am. Jeff's but... normal-sized human. Brock just likes to call everybody little because he's Tim sort of a Tim Kirchner is a little tall. man. Yeah. He is a very, very little oh, man. Oh, I Kirchin love Tim. Yeah. I love Tim. Tim's pint size. Wonderful. Yeah. So the next set of moves is rounding out the staff, and we heard some Wait, names hold, hold, yesterday. i got to finish up on one, oh, okay. one last all thing right, on this fine. thing. No, because this is on the same You're hogging her. I know that, but if you do all the things you just said and you do take that swing for a quarterback, now all of a sudden you need some more draft capital because you got all these other needs on the front right and no second round and you don't have a second round pick and if you wanted to trade somebody for draft capital I you don't knew it. have a lot of guys on your team. Well, what do you think you could get for DK? Have you talked to, I'm assuming you've talked to a few folks. About I this don't the- know. I think that uh, AJ Brown went for a first and a third. And in talking to some folks, they've said, well, the thing is, A.J. Brown still needed to be signed. Mm -hmm. So when you traded for him, you were going to have to take on the entirety of the cap hit and contract for whatever you got for him. And there's the pressure of the draft, right? That's right. Do you want this or not? So if you were to try to trade D.K., who already has a contract, Mm -hmm. you can eat some of that contract and you might get at least a first and a third, maybe more than that. So, yeah. Let's call it a first and a third or a first and a second, just to kind of have a, a, a working a working framework. hypothesis, a framework. KJ said, well, you didn't think you could get a first round pick. And if you can't, this conversation should end. Right. I'm not trading DK Metcalf for anything less than a first round pick. But for a first round pick, first, second, first and third. Yeah, I'm doing it. What you? would you want to use the first on? An uh, offensive or defensive lineman. Okay. Because unfortunately, you've spent all of these resources on the on the outside. I like Jackson Smith and Jib. He's the number twenty pick in the draft. You're telling me you don't feel comfortable moving forward with him as as the as your number one receiver? He was the number twenty pick in the draft. If he's not a number one receiver eventually, it was a waste of time. Mm-hmm. It was a waste of a pick. If you can get a first rounder, I'd be tempted. I also am hesitant to. I'm, I'm talking like we're talking about baseball, deal too much from an area of strength. Mm. You know what I mean? I think and have faith that um, a lot of the defensive minds you're bringing in can look at this defense and see these ways that they can try to um, renovate is the word I'm going to use because you're using a lot of the existing pieces and maybe, you know, can be inspired and, and find a second or third wind for a lot of these guys. 
I'm also not betting on it. Mm. Whereas I think this offense can be pretty solid. And I think the offense can be a strength um, without even adding a ton of pieces. And so I'm hesitant to deal too much from an area of strength, that being your pass catchers. When I think of that Baltimore game, and John Schneider has brought it up, I knew he would. I knew, Salk, that that left an imprint on him when he left Baltimore, Maryland, after getting absolutely humbled and humiliated in in the NFL in a way you don't normally see. Mm -hmm. And it was physical, much like it was the Pittsburgh Steelers, Salky, way back when, Stacy, when you were in elementary school. And uh, the Seahawks went back to Pittsburgh and got their doors blown off and got physically manhandled and mauled. And that left an imprint on him. As we now kind of move this thing forward and the staff runs, runs out and we start looking at their own personnel and free agents, and then we will eventually get to trades and then eventually to the drafts. Yeah. I just don't think, Stacy, there is near enough on this roster enough what I call war daddies that will knock you off the ball. I agree. On both sides of the line of scrimmage. How are you going to try to get those? And if you're, well, to your point, I mean, I, I think this is how you go back to that DK conversation, that if you're going to somehow, some way transform this roster and you can't do it all in one off season, you're not going to do it all in one off season. It's going to take a little bit of time. But if you're going to transition to a team being built in the image of Mike McDonald, the brand of the Ravens and what he is familiar with and brings, you need dudes that can knock guys off the ball. And KJ says that all the time. Give me some knockback. Where's the knockback? Where, where are the guys on both sides of the ball? Some of it is scheme. There's no question. And some of it, I thought they were too passive and too hesitant in time. Certainly the year before in that ridiculous bear front, that was, that was really, really dumb. But I think as they're going to transform it, Salk, to your point, you're going to have to look at ways, real ways, to then add assets that you know, may come via free agency. The problem is you got great interior offensive linemen in this draft. There's not a lot of those dudes in the middle playing defensive tackle in the first and second yeah. round of this draft. That would be a little problematic. Um, how do you, yeah, this is, this wouldn't be adding directly to the trenches. It would be adding to the defense. We had Joel Corey on speaking mm -hmm. of that Baltimore defense. How would you guys feel about Patrick Queen in Seattle? Pretty good. This would be at in lieu of signing Jordan Brooks, obviously, and, and probably in lieu of making some other moves. Isn't he better? He was last year. Well, he year. played with a lot better people around him. He played with a lot better, you know, personnel and everything else. Took him a while. There were a lot of folks that wrote him off his first yeah, couple years. That's true. And then Mike McDonald came back as the DC. Yeah. This will be fascinating. This will be awesome. This is one of those. I wish I could be a fly on the wall, like uh, the the John and Pete podcast that hopefully one day will eventually come out. They got to start taping it now. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, will, it will eventually come out because John Schneider's got four years of background on Jordan that is immense, mm -hmm. and this dude's got four years of background on Patrick Queen that's immense. Yeah, doesn't a lot of this come down to the fact that Jordan Brooks? unfortunately hasn't been able to stay healthy the last few years and Patrick Queen has. That's true, but it does make him a much more affordable option than Patrick, yep. than That's a Patrick good point. Queen who yeah. had yep. half twice That's That's uh, good point. salary. Um, mm -hmm. Another name that we were talking about yesterday, Bump and I were wondering, we, both of us, and I'm sure you guys, you know, it's funny that Brock mentions being a fly on the wall. There are unfiltered conversations I wish I could hear about this team, and one of them is, I would love to know what Mike McDonald thinks about Jamal Adams <laughs> and whether Mike McDonald looks at Jamal Adams and says, I don't need that guy on my roster, or whether he looks at him and says, I can do something I with guess this. I would assume that Mike McDonald feels the same way about just about uh, about Jamal Adams that every single ex NFL player we've talked to seems to feel about him, which is that he's kind of a mess. He is. <laughs> 
I love the way you say some of these things sometimes. <laughs> it starts out like it's going to yes. be a big exercise. Uh-huh. You know, I would yep. assume that what we're going to hear is um, that he's a hot mess. Yeah, well, that's sort of what we hear from everybody we talk to behind it's the scenes. Hey, I'll like, say this. You and I'm I, sure you've heard the same thing. I've heard it behind the scenes, and I've heard it off the record. Right. Everyone's so, just like, you know what there's very, You know what there's very little of in Baltimore? Drama. <laughs> right. Seriously, messes. You know, they were a collective. That's one of the strengths of that brand and that organization for 15 years, obviously appealing to John through this entire process. And, you know, you just don't tell me. I mean, Ray Lewis had a lot of juice and he had a lot of stuff, obviously, off the field. But even, you know, Ray, you know, simulated into that defense. But since Ray Lewis, tell me where, where there's been this drama and this just, yeah, I don't see not, that. Not their yeah. thing. Yeah. And then, thing. unfortunately, his body has just been decimated with injuries. Yeah. You're going to get younger. You're going to get faster. You're going to get violent. You're going to get a lot of things. And at 18 million or whatever his number is, that's going to be a hard fit into this puzzle. Oh, 20, I think 26. Yeah. It's an exceptionally high cap. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. It'd be 20 and dead cap, too. I've just been sort of assuming that that he's not here next year. Look at you, Grove. Stacy was coming up on the show today. <laughs> it's just going to be me using a British accent. That sounds awesome. I no, we are going to do. So we're obviously going to react to um, to uh, a bit of John Schneider, which we heard with uh, with uh, Wyman and Bob yesterday. Obviously, more of what we learned from uh, from AD mm-hmm. uh, and Ryan Grubb. And then we have a fun game. Now, this is much later in our show, but at one thirty, we're going to pit a bow on the 2024 season with like a games uh, game show style oh. kind of thing. Um, called Season, Season, Season. Oh. It's a unique name. It is. Uh, where we're just going to... Yeah, I'm going to quiz. Yep, I'm going to um, have a quiz for uh, for Curtis and Bump, uh, see how much they know about the 2024 NFL season. Wow, big yeah. day. Bump Sounds does awesome. that stuff? Bump is willing to go toe-to-toe with the brain? You know what? I will say <laughs> he does a pretty good job. The season was much really? more split than it toe-to-toe was... Toe-to-toe with the brain? You know? What's the matter with you? With what? God love him, but, so, but Jake. I don't know. <laughs> Who was that guy at ESPN? What was that dude's name? He had his own show. The Schwab? The Stump Schwab. the Schwab, Howie Schwab. Stump the Schwab. Stump the Schwab. And that's basically Curtis. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They're There's... as similar as you could possibly imagine. It's horrible. Did you hear that um, we were going to have Ken Jennings on the show and he backed out last second? Really? And, uh, oh. Our theory is he was afraid of Curtis. You better not yeah. tell Charles about that. If Charles hears that uh, Ken Jennings mm. was potentially going to be on the air I would, here, I call Charles him will be all in. The coward Ken Jennings is what I call <laughs> him. Coward. Uh, all right. Well, a lot of people wanted me to remind you here. This says, uh, Stacy, please don't forget that this is the guy who said that a 60-year-old man looked younger than you on the air. That's just that's not true. Exa- How dare you? It was supposed to be a compliment for, for for Bob. Bob did look very young. Bob does look very young. I, I say did as though it's not. I've told everyone but this. That but that picture is insane. You think he gets face work done? I don't know what Bob does, no. but if he were to tell me, I would do it. If Bob were to tell me, but except what it is is like he doesn't. He eats well and gets a lot of sleep. I think well, it's it. He eats I, well, doesn't drink, and gets a lot of sleep. If we could all sleep till noon every day, right. yeah, that's true. That's I'm very not going to give up all of those things in Bob's, order to look like Bob when he's sixty. No Bob is going to show up at two. Yeah. You guys, you guys hear they got a new head coach. <laughs> you think he rubs that snail saliva on his face like Mara snail does? Mucin? Oh yeah, yeah. Korean skin care. Yes. 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 All right, it that's going to do it for today. Thank you, Stacy. Out of time. <laughs> we don't want to be late uh, because otherwise there won't be enough time for Pump and Stacey Bye, later. Broccoli. Bye. We'll be right back. It's Brock and Salk's Sports on 710.